right, everyone. Today, sitting down with Devin Bloxham of Estridge Homes. Devin, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I threw out a challenge to people in my network and said, all right, who's ready for their close-up? Who's ready to talk to the people to get their name out there? And Devin, I was very excited when you raised your hand and that you actually showed up. I was just telling her that a lot of people raised their hand and then were like, this is too terrifying. <laughs> I don't want... Just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. Devin, you you and I have known each other now for almost two years, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Talk to me about how you came upon this fantastic industry of ours. So I stumbled into it a little bit. Most of my background is marketing kind of in the tech B2B space is where I started out unintentionally. So, but for good and for the good. And then I owned a business once I moved to Indiana. I've lived in 10 different states in the U.S. Um, Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. We we like, we like wandering here. So what, what, what is your favorite of the 10? It doesn't have to be Indiana just because that's still where you are, right? Where? Yeah, I honestly, for this stage of my life, I definitely like Indiana the best. Okay, then which is the most interesting of the places you live? Like Probably Arizona, Arizona for a period of time. I think it is. I mean, just I think outdoor, kind of everything that you can do. I'm a pretty active person. So that part of it was fun and interesting and people are interesting, I think, there. But I'm from a really small town, which feels a lot like Indiana. So that's probably the the comfort zone for me. Got it. So all over the country, and yeah. you find yourself in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And what was the company that you owned? It's called Neat Method. So I started that here, um, owned it for two years and sold it. Congratulations. Yeah. What did it do? Um, So it was a home organization design business. So I inadvertently started working with a fair amount of builders doing that. And I kind of felt like at that time, we thought we may be moving again, and then we didn't. And I felt like it was just the right time regardless. And then I saw this position with Estridge and it kind of took an interesting turn from there. So, And Estridge has a, as a, I would say, historic reputation in the Indianapolis marketplace. We do. We do. So we've been here for over 50 years, started by Paul Estridge Sr., uh, then Paul Estridge Jr. And it's definitely a our, you know, kind of tagline is your hometown builder. So we're definitely known throughout Indiana um, and now mainly just build in central Indiana. Yeah. At one point there was kind of two product lines, right? Like a, a Estridge custom, Estridge production. Correct. Correct. We actually just stopped doing true custom at the beginning of this year. Yeah. So we had been doing it for the entirety of that time. And really that's what we started doing. So we and really prior went to home. the great recession. I don't know if you're aware of the unit count that Estridge was up to, but it was, it was not a small company at all. No, no, it, not at all. And it was basically when Paul Estridge Jr. took over, he really wanted to take this model of, you know, having a really quality home, custom home, if you will, but on a production timeline and really creating these neighborhoods and not just being a builder, but being a developer as well. Yeah. And I think I met Paul Estridge Jr. at a builder show in 2008 and he was opening up a retail store. One of the first Mm -hmm. places I heard about, and that's why we connected with him. My, my owner and I at the time connected with him for lunch, I think to talk through this because he was opening up a retail store where there was going to like 
design studio. Plus you could buy candles and towels and right. Like the full home experience. Home. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So mm -hmm. again, really well-known company, lots of good things happening. When you joined them in 2019, how did they, how did they talk you in? <laughs> so I, it was a director of marketing position and I met with Clint at first, who is now our CEO and then met with Paul Estridge Jr. And both of them convinced me that I should really probably do sales. They wanted me to do sales instead of the marketing role because they thought that I'd be really great at it. We had a new uh, neighborhood at the time that is now in full swing that is kind of European architecture, really unique product, um, a higher price point. And they thought that that's where I should be. And I had very little to no interest in doing sales prior to that. So I worked very closely with sales my entire marketing career. But you did but and you sold stuff. I did. A lot of stuff. I did. I did sell a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I turned out to be not so bad at it. Actually really enjoyed it. And then I decided I wanted to do both. So I was our director of marketing and in sales at Serenade. And then just this past year, I decided that having two full-time jobs was a little, a little too much for me. So yeah. too, too, too many moving parts, especially as you guys yes. are opening up lots of new, new communities and new product types and. Right, exactly. And so now your team is composed of an online salesperson and a mm -hmm. marketing coordinator. Admin, marketing coordinator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so talk to me about the decision because how many homes will you sell this year? Roughly, a hundred and twenty or so, just over one hundred and twenty. So, one of the most common questions I get is, Kevin, um, I think I need help, but I don't know what kind of help I need, and I don't know a position I should hire. Talk to me about before we talk about the person that you found. Talk to me about mm -hmm. kind of your thought process of how you decided what was the position that you needed to help you be able to move things faster. You know, I think hiring anybody. What I've learned is a very you have to be fairly self-aware, I think, to really find the right person. I think definitely hiring to your deficit and also finding somebody that... I really wanted somebody that was very eager to learn and grow. And um, But I am also very aware of things I'm not great at and things that I definitely needed help with. So I kind of took all of those things in one place. And I, personality is also a big thing for me. I think the culture here was very important to me. So I really wanted my team to kind of embody this, you know, really eager, driven, kind of take no prisoners mentality. And it's turned out really well. So so what are the core duties of that of that position? Lauren, who is our marketing coordinator, she does manage our social media. She also helps me. I've really taken on this role of managing a lot of our inventory homes. So she has become really crucial in how we market those. She has a decent graphic design background. So she can really work within that and make sure that we're showing selections and all of that. Now that inventory homes are selling really far before they're complete, <laughs> way farther. But not only that, I think it's also given she's taken on a lot of the day-to-day -day so that I can really focus on our new neighborhoods and new product and be able to troubleshoot and which before is not what I had a lot of time for. Yeah, I think if you're able to have a, a decent amount of structure and foundation laid, and mm -hmm. just not enough time in the day, that definitely helps this this position. But I, I think the other thing that I really want to um, just highlight is you said she does have some graphic design capability. Mm -hmm. I just she I does. think that's I think that's so important for your first hire 
my answer is still it most is. of the time to have someone that is a designer or at least can play designer and, and manipulate things that have been created previously by a true designer. Cause there's just right. so much that you get stuck on if that person mm -hmm. can't make anything that looks decent enough to be pushed out into the world. Just the amount of time that gets saved, not having to go back and forth, back and forth with an outside uh, group on that end is really important. Right. And everything moves so fast, Every, especially in this environment. And everything is very visual and just getting, I think, being able to tell our story, which can sometimes be a hard one to tell, um, is very important on the design aspect. Yeah. Now, you know, the the path of Esther's, the reason I talked about the history was obviously the recession was tough for a lot of builders. Mm -hmm. The recession nearly erased Estridge um, a, as a company, right? They, they, they went from, I, my hunch, I don't have the numbers, but my hunch is they were doing at or around a thousand homes a year mm -hmm. uh, prior mm -hmm. to, and at all different price points, doing master plan communities. Um, Estridge is always well known for developing great projects um, from the development side of things, but really, really scaled back. And then as Clint and and other investors got involved and realized that this brand and and the Estridge family in particular was so good at what they did, that it was worth kind of rebuilding. Um, right. You guys have been, fr from a percentage growth standpoint, on a little bit of a tear since. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing rapid growth, um, mostly younger, newer team members as part of this mm -hmm. historic brand, some speed okay. bumps or lessons along the road, especially going through the <laughs> pandemic. Um, yes. <laughs> this is, you're supposed to keep smiling and be, she's like, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All yeah. too traumatic still. T talk to me about any of the particular twists and turns that you feel comfortable expressing that, that kind of stick out to you over the last two years. I think along with some of the more obvious things, you know, as far as supply chain and getting our vendors and the bandwidth and all of those things, managing, well, on the marketing side, really, I would say what used to be okay within our process and what we could handle as far as how we communicated, how often we communicated with buyers and prospective buyers was significantly different. And now we don't have the time. And mm. I think we are very, we had a lot of our same marketing help that we had had previously. Really do convert was probably the first true partnership that I brought in coming in. And a lot of those things, I think rightfully your business outgrows and it changes and it evolves. And yeah, we had to I, make some hard decisions. Yeah. I think to unpack that a little bit for other people who I don't know exactly what we're talking about. I mean, Estridge brand and family was always known with doing things like really, really well and, mm -hmm. and like sharp and packaged and high design. Again, we're talking about someone who wanted to open up a retail store, which kind of became Vogue again in 2012, 2013. Right. But they were talking about this in 07, 08. So forward thinking people, but forward thinking back when the company started 50 years ago was not necessarily digital first or social media no. or, or no. unfortunately website even to some, some extent. Right? Correct. And so Correct. you got, you got this partnership that you, that has really high talent and capability, 
but just not the internal understanding of how to execute for the world we're living in today. And that, Mm -hmm. that kind of, I think I'm summarizing some of the friction that you're talking about. It was a full tools and resources revamp coming in, I think. And and we're still doing (laughs) it. So as typical, Kevin was sugarcoating it and Devin's like, no, we had to, we had to start over. Yeah, we did. We did. And it's not, it, a lot of it was just purely by necessity. And how do we drill down to focusing on what we're really good at if a lot of those tools are just not where we need them to be? And mm-hmm. the story evolves and buyers evolve. And we've chosen to have all of our neighborhoods have their own personas, which is wonderful and unique in our market. But also you are marketing a lot of different things yeah. differently. So it's hard. And I think coming in, we also, I think we thought, or I would say prior to me, we thought we were we're on the right track of digital versus traditional. I don't think we were as close as we thought we were at that point. Yeah. There's step one is just transitioning kind of that print and traditional approach to digital. But then there's also another way of just saying, like you said, starting over, where does it make sense to start from a digital perspective and then work backwards towards some of the traditional stuff that we're going to do on top of that is, right. a, is a different way exactly. to think through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things that's ever happened since I've been with you convert was the time that um, you texted me mm-hmm. uh, and said, we need to chat quickly, please. And, and uh, the person who had the kind of keys to the kingdom, so to speak of your website Mm-hmm. unfortunately passed away like uh, right. suddenly right which so this was from from the very beginning i mean i think the minute i i don't know probably may have been in our first conversation that we ever spoke and yeah we we knew we knew there were a change needed to happen devin was definitely like correct. we got to we got to look at yes. another option here yes but we were still and, very early right. on in that discovery process of beginning mm-hmm. a new site when, when this ball kind of dropped. Correct. Yes. So it was a, one of the things that, and you take the assumption that maybe you do, uh, it was kind of the worst case scenario, 100%. And I think we also thought, okay, maybe it's something that we can kind of coast through here and be able to make it work. And we did have our new website in development, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be complete until next month. So at that point in time, we still had a long ways to go. So it definitely was a moment of, okay, how do we, you know, buckle down? What do we need to create to be able to keep everything as current as possible with prices yeah. changing and all of those things. And what's crazy is that this isn't this, this is not actually the strangest thing I've ever heard of. It's one of the most uncommon occurrences, mm-hmm. like I said, in, in my, my time at Do You Convert, but it's not the worst. And anyone who's thinking, man, I would never have my own company be in that situation Mm-hmm. The thing is, no one thought that they were in that situation either. I mean, if you're working right. with a small web vendor who, again, mm-hmm. is, was well known in the local market that you're in, but they're still relatively small. I mean, mm-hmm. the assumption would never be that only the the owner or the lead person would have access to the keys to to make updates to the system. Correct. You would assume there's Correct. some backup and. And so and anything can happen at any time. It's kind of like having, you know, backup of serve uh, of of your company's data on in the mm-hmm. cloud and other places, but I think what's what's really insightful here is that you and I and Clint and a, a lot of people knew and there there were other 
kind of things involved mm-hmm. that were beyond your guys's control, but everyone knew it was a problem. Right. You just didn't know how big the problem could become until it did. Correct. And thankfully it all Correct. got worked through in about 48, 72 hours. You were able to get, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, O'Neill interactive actually hopped in to try to help you guys, uh, get back to where you needed to be and, and be able to make some of the basic updates on the current site while the new one's being developed. But that's, it's a good, just thank you for being willing to share that story. Cause I know it's mm-hmm. not, it's not fun or exciting, but it's not a pretty story. No, sometimes other, other people in your place, Devin need that story to be able to go back into their boss and be like, no, like we, we can't just have a three to five month plan. Right. Listen to this story. That could be us. We think we need to do it something could. now, you know? And so mm-hmm. every experience that we collectively can learn from is a, is an important one. Correct. Yes. And then you're also diving into brand new product type and locations that you've never. Mm-hmm. So Estridge traditionally is a suburban, yes. uh, like I said, master plan, custom production builder. And like, like actually a lot of builders in the country, you guys are pivoting heavily into uh, infill, urban, um, high-end, multifamily products. So I know you haven't been in home building for like 10 years to say, oh my gosh, it's been like this. For, but what was that pivot like? I think it was probably a little bit more of a pivot than we expected just from, and geographically, one of our townhome communities is downtown. So getting our trades and vendors downtown and the work Mm -hmm. happening at the same rate that it does in, you know, our little comfort zone up here in suburbia, it's, there's a lot of little nuances that I think are definitely different and the timing of a lot of it too. And the environment has kind of impacted more than we thought as well. But sure. as far as as far as how we talk to buyers about how they can live and, you know, the price point is higher, you know, for, you know, a, a multifamily situation. And it's being able to show them the quality of all of that and being able to tell our story in areas that maybe aren't as familiar with our brand has kind of been it's been a little bit refreshing for me, but it definitely has presented challenges in the beginning. Yeah, I, th- I think anytime you have a new challenge, it, it can be fun if you've got the right attitude and approach to it. But I think, again, to highlight for other people listening, there there are some things about shifting to a completely different product in a completely mm-hmm. different location than you built in before, where I was talking to a real estate broker who was listing up or was working as the lead on a project for a builder here in town. And she had listed like 30 prospects as A's, like ready, willing, and able, they're going to buy in this right. new uh, entry or um, hi- higher end 55 plus community, which is still a relatively rare thing to have a higher end community in Columbus of that nature. And she was like, I thought we were going to have like all these sales. We ended up getting two or three. What happened? And <laughs> when I told her that actually... <laughs> That's not as uncommon in a 55 plus scenario, especially at the high end and buyers not wanting to, you know, if you're rich or old, you don't want to buy green bananas. You're waiting for the bananas to ripen because you can, if you're, if you're rich and because you don't know if you'll be alive, if you're old. And she was like, oh my gosh, I just feel so much better that in their scenario, they didn't have enough of the floor. The floor plans weren't finalized until, you know, two weeks before the launch, they didn't have renderings. They didn't have pricing information. And so when they launched, it was kind of like, we're just starting to talk to these people. So I was helping her understand that you're, 
if you still are in a bad place 45 days from now, then something else might need to change. But you're really just beginning true shopping conversations, sales conversations at this point because you didn't have the information before. Right, right. I just think it's important for people to understand that in, in these scenarios, you do everything you can, but sometimes the answer is that the product just has to be closer to completion mm-hmm. in order for things to really take off. So I know one of your infill projects in particular is kind of racking our brains, doing everything that we know we can do, still not necessarily right. seeing the results you want. And then one day we get on a call and you were just like, oh yeah, they're all gone. And the next yeah. ones are gone. <laughs> and the next, you know, sometimes momentum yeah. just takes a longer than we want to build on those kind of projects. And, and if you're not used to that, it can be really, really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just managing expectations, you know, which is probably one of the most said terms in this environment at this point, but it's true. I think internal a expectations lot of you're talking about though, in this case, correct. Yes. We talk a lot about external, but I think internal is, is a really big piece of this and keeping the team optimistic about it and keeping everybody on the same page. It's, it is a challenge when you have salespeople that are, you know, chomping at the bit for their next sale and there's pressure going all sorts of ways. Yeah. And anytime you have investors involved in a project, everyone wants, you know, there's, there's expectations and performers have been put out there, Mm -hmm. but now, you know, it shifts from every time we get on a call, like, I bet we're going to talk about this one. Aren't we Devin? And you're like, yep. And then shifts to, we don't really need to talk about this one because (laughs) it's just, it's, it's moving. Um, again, another good story for people to, to hear. What are you, um, to, to kind of close out, what, what do you think will be your own personal biggest challenge, um, for the next year or two as you're, as you keep growing and Estridge keeps diversifying and, and moving forward? I think that we are at a very important pivotal point for our company. I think there's a lot of really good, exciting things happening. Um, I think that I've taken a bigger part in really refining a lot of our processes, both internally and externally. And I think a lot of those things are extremely important with this environment and everything that's going on. And for us to be able to launch and speak to what we do and how well we do it and making sure that everybody's on the same page is going to be probably my biggest challenge. But honestly, I enjoy it. So I'm a little bit doing it to myself. But I think it's definitely a continual process that will probably happen for a long period of time. Yeah, I think I'm most excited to watch you keep building the team because one of the one of the things that you'll definitely those of you listening will, will note a pattern of people who do really well is that, again they either have um, a strong sales or a strong marketing background, but they're bleeding over to the other side in air quotes. You know, it's not it's not mm-hmm. a competing thing, but it's two sides of the same coin. Right. Knowing where you where you truly are stronger is important. You don't want to lie to yourself mm-hmm. or anyone else and say, I, I think I'm an amazing uh, s- sales leader when, when you're really primarily a great marketer who understands sales or a great salesperson who understands marketing. Knowing that is important, but someone in your shoes who has sold as many homes as you have now and been involved in that sales process, it's, uh, I, I told Devin that, that she needed to hear Jesse uh, Kelly's interview because she reminded me a lot of Jesse, less experienced in the industry, but but a lot of similarities in that. Like I don't, 
I don't think there's a, there's a stopping point in the next two years where, uh, you put, you put those skill sets together that, that you've put in your toolbox over the last couple of years. It's exciting. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm really the only person in our company currently that has been on both sides of the coin. So it's, to me, I consider that a huge benefit. And I think that it's, I have a big passion for making our sales professionals job a little bit easier. Our homes are a little bit difficult to sell at some points because we are semi-custom, you know, whatever that means to whoever you're <laughs> trying to sell it to. Right. So I definitely enjoy that. So I think that's the part that will probably be the most rewarding. Okay. I'm, uh, and again, we can edit out whatever we want to. Mm-hmm. Devin, but can I get awkward a little bit and have you talk about um, Clint just a little bit more too? Yeah. So we yeah. kind of gla- glazed over this of, you know, you, you go to work for a home building company, having a background in tech, running your own business, mm-hmm. obviously a driven, well-capable person. Um, what is it about Clint that you enjoy working with? So Clint, Clint is the current CEO um, mm-hmm. of Estridge. At the time when you were interviewing, I think he was the president, maybe? He was, yes. I think he's VP. I think of maybe business development or something. Now before before you it's go, different. I just want to caveat this of finding the right person to work for is another theme that I like to bring up because you've got to mm-hmm. make sure you're working for the right person, not just the right brand. Right. And Clint really, one of the things that impresses me about him is he's fairly open to say he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And he's also Correct. one of the few people who has just kind of out of the blue emailed me and said, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to be, driving, I think he was between um, Cleveland and Indy. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just going to spend like five to six hours driving around Columbus. What mm-hmm. community should I go look at? And do you want to grab a cup of coffee? And that just strikes me as, let's just face it, most CEOs are like hopping on the jet to get somewhere as fast yeah. as possible. <laughs> I've got people to handle this for me. Um, he's not like a super high energy person from my time no. with him. No, he's not. But to say, I'm going to leave my family um, a little bit early to go mm-hmm. look at product in a city that I'm not even going to be building in just because I want to see the product. And there's just something about him that I, I really enjoy. And so if you can brag on him for a quick minute or or tell us all well, the dirt, you, you pick. Well, it actually, I'll correct myself because he actually has a very, very high energy. Um, oh, but yeah, he's, he he's not extremely, like, uh, he contains he it. A, from his... Right. He has a very calm demeanor. Um, yeah. And I think my evolution of working with Clint has, I think our relationship has actually been pretty neat. Um, I think there's been definitely times where I am able to, well, for one, he really is extremely in touch with the business, the industry, he has a very big passion for it. So that's why you mm-hmm. will see him out in our neighborhoods a lot. You will see him researching competition or even just builders in various places because he just wants all the knowledge. He yeah. wants as much of that knowledge as possible, but he's very inclusive and he wants, you know, Posture Jr. He wants him to be included. He wants everybody to be included. He wants members of the team included in a lot of decisions. Um, but I think that him and I have really been able to kind of put our heads together in a lot of different areas. And I very much have taken a lot of what he had to say. One of his first bits of advice when I started was listening to Market Proof Marketing. So it's a little bit of a full oh, circle well, moment. But no wonder I like it him was. so much. 
It was. <laughs> um, and he's been extremely patient with me and very trusting. And we've, I definitely communicate differently than he does. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say enough nice things now. We've, 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 yeah, we've I'm, filled his I'm, head. Does it ever I'm, get a little frustrating that he is so calm and how he presents himself? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. (laughs) And he is, I do. I mean, I've gotten to the point now where I'm very comfortable, you know, being more forward with him Mm -hmm. and being more honest because I think that that communication part, he actually really respects, but he's not, I don't think he's the type of person that's going to sit around and wait for you to tell him, you know, he's not going to ask how you feel about something if you're, you know, hesitant on something. But I think, I knew going into it that I had to gain a lot of street cred is what I like to say. Um, uh-huh. And I think I've done a pretty good job of it and I'll continue to do it, but he's definitely given me the space and the trust to be able to do that. Now there has been times where I've had to remind him that he's trust me yeah. and let, you know, let me do my job. But I think that at the end of the day, he's definitely been one of my bigger supporters for sure. Yeah. I think, and again, not, so now I'm not talking about Clint, the person as much as Clint, the general boss, the leader, type, the leader mm-hmm. in a company. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for leaders to shelter in terms of that calmness, yes. especially in periods of, of crazy transformation and growth and everything else. You can't, you can't run around, uh, excited like a chicken with your head cut off and, and keep people moving in the right direction. And yet right. at times, again, the lesson that you're drawing out here is there are times where you do have to talk more directly to your leadership and say, this is mm-hmm. what I need. This is what needs to happen. And it needs to happen maybe faster than your calm demeanor. Yes. Would, would lead me to believe that you think it needs to move. Right. So I think that's, yes. that is important. But again, you have that relationship where you can, you can do that. And, and once you have that, again, just look out because the team that can trust each other and communicate openly and honestly and has such a good reputation as Estridge does, amazing things can, can happen for sure. Yeah, this the new, I'm not even a new wave of leadership. Our COO has been here for 25 years and both of them are just, are really great people. And I think that they really want the best for the company and they're really willing to spend a lot of time and to try to figure out the best way. So they're also willing to argue it out with you, which is also great. I'm fine with that too. So I think being able to just have that open line of communication yeah. is really I mean, I grew up in valuable. a house where no one no one certainly yelled. Uh, you could, mm-hmm. you could barely even say that we argued as a family. So right. I remember the first time I was in a meeting room, I think this was with Miranda and s- people started screaming and I was, I was completely off. I was out of, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was just, <laughs> yeah. And now, um, sometimes I, I do find myself, I certainly so wouldn't encourage screaming, but if you have a lot of meetings where there is no passion, Again, it's like, what are we all here for? No one really believes anything. We're just checking boxes and looking at spreadsheets and mm-hmm. like some, sometimes you got to shake things up and make sure the passion is there. Well, and I think I'm also the only woman really in our leadership team. So well, that should have been a, a whole nother conversation of how do you, how do you overcome the fear of speaking out passionately being labeled as, um, you know, well, she's emotional, emotional. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, I think at the beginning I was definitely a a little bit more nervous. I mean, even the tech industry, all those are pretty male dominated industries. So I was fairly used to it. Um, but I think it is true, especially not knowing as much as maybe some of them did about the industry. 
but at the end of the day, I think I'm bringing something different to the table than any of them are. I very much go off my intuition. I very much can maybe read the room even a little bit better than they can at times. So I think that has been surprising to them. I think at different points. And I think that's why I've enjoyed working with you. One of, one of the many reasons is you have that intuition and and that gut and that um, fearlessness, which is why I think you and Jesse are so alike that the, the lack of fear and data and, and hard facts might not be your first love, but once we right. started digging into that and you were able to have more of those at your fingertips, I mm-hmm. could tell there was a point where you were almost like, this is awesome. Cause now I can go yes. in with not just my gut, but saying like, yeah, here's how the numbers play out and we could sell this mm-hmm. many more homes and we could do this much, this much more efficiently if we did X, Y, and Z. And, and you, you know, you put those things together and it can give you uh, something to kind of argue around, so to speak, rather than just data doesn't lie. So that is what it is. So I think it took it, it's taken time, but now I think it's, I think we're at a pretty good point. So yeah, well, I I'm love excited it. about it. Definitely um, link in the show notes to, to Devin's LinkedIn profile. You can connect with her and say hello. And um, if you're passing through Indy, definitely would recommend checking out um, some of their communities, especially on the North side of town. Yes. Cause you guys have always been, again, great great developers, great product people. And you've got a lot of, a lot of good stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks so much, Kevin. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. <laughs>